Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch. Monday edition on The Guy Benson Show. Our website, always the same, GuyBensonShow.com, the podcast, free of charge on demand every day. And if you're listening on the live broadcast, the bumper music is Payphone by Maroon 5. Because the final existing public payphone in New York City has now been removed. In an age where basically every human being has a cell phone, those old payphones have been going by the wayside and slowly but surely being ripped out of walls and phone booths disappearing everywhere. It's an anachronism. It's totally obsolete as a communication tool. And now the last one in the city of New York is gone. So we were chatting about this on our show planning call earlier, and Christine was asking if I was old enough to remember payphones or to have ever used a payphone. And the answer is yes. I am not that much younger than Christine. I definitely am younger, right? I'm not quite as old as producer Christine, but I am old enough that absolutely payphones were part of my childhood, like middle school in particular. We had payphones right outside the main entrance to my high school, and sometimes there were lines for people to use the payphones. That all started to change with cell phones becoming much more prevalent right around then. I was in high school 1999 to 2003. And, Christine, you asked a question on the call that I was already thinking about bringing up on the air, which was the old trick when you didn't have change, because how many high school students or middle school students walked around with quarters in their pocket on any given day? A lot of us didn't. So there was a trick you could use to call your parents from a phone, a pay phone, without paying. You would call collect. And if you are over a certain age, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you are under a certain age, you were very confused. Like I'm looking at Wyatt right now, who is shaking his head and chuckling. What are these people talking about? Pay phones and collect calls. So what you would do is you would call, what was it, 1-800-COLLECT. And then there was an operator, and you would give the phone number that you wanted to call, and you could record like a very short message, which was supposed to be your name. So someone could then on the other line say, oh, you have a collect call, meaning they would take the charges for it, right? They would accept the charges for that phone call, and it would say, you're getting a collect phone call request from, and then it would play your voice. And it's supposed to say, guy. And then you would accept or decline, and then you could have your conversation with the recipients of the call getting charged. But what we would do is we would very quickly say a couple words that conveyed the message that we wanted to give. So then your parent at home could decline the charges knowing what the message was anyway, and then probably come pick you up somewhere. Like, it's Guy, I'm done. Guy at the high school. Guy, come get me. And that was the little life hack that you would use. And I was known from time to time to do such things. Christine, did you use that same tactic? Oh, yes. But usually mine was, Mom, I forgot my history book. Come now. Mom, I don't have my lunch. Bring it. And she never would. Oh, really? No. Judgy Joyce Joyce would decline the collect call and not help you. She literally would say back, like when they say, do you accept? She'd be like, no, I'm not coming. (laughs) So this actually was the subject of a TV commercial. Was it you who remembered this, Christina, or was it Dan who remembered No, it was good old Danny. Yeah, so Dan remembered, and I had forgotten entirely about it. It was a Geico commercial in the early 2000s. So we looked it up. It ran between 2000 and 2002, 
where it was basically a way that you would save money, in this case, conveying extremely important information, doing the same little maneuver that we just described. Here was that commercial, early 2000s. You probably remember it from your TV, again, if you are a more seasoned citizen. Uh, operator, I'd like to make a collect call, please. First name, Bob. Last name is... We ought to baby eats a boy. Hello? Collect call for Mr. Bob. We ought to baby eats a boy. Sorry, wrong number. Who's that, dear? Bob. They had a baby. It's a boy. Now, I'm not sure you can even say it's a boy anymore. How times have changed. It's a boy. I remember that he said it really strangely in the ad. As soon as Dan mentioned it, I'm like, yep. Because they ran that ad a lot. And it makes no sense to someone who's probably born, what, after 1990, maybe, I would guess at this point. Anytime in the 90s. Wyatt, what year were you born again? I was born in 2000. Wow. So this TV ad was airing when you were an infant. You don't remember the ad? No. And, and I, when I heard it, when we were playing it before, I was really confused. Why Why did he say um, wrong number or whatever he said and he declined the call? I was very confused at that. But now it makes sense. Now you're getting it. Now that we've explained it to you, have you ever used a payphone in your life? I have never used a payphone. Have you seen a payphone? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. but you never never had an occasion to use it. Had you ever heard of calling collect? Had you ever called collect? No. I when, mean, this, this is like, I, I just like, even like you said, like going to school and having to, to call from a payphone at school. Like when I was at school, like we had cell phones. So you just would text your parent and that would be the way you would communicate back home. How old were you when you got your first cell phone? I don't really remember, but I know I feel like it was eighth grade going into high school. I think it was then, or it was definitely middle school. That's I know that for sure. I just don't know exactly what year, but it was uh, it was definitely. I mean, I I was pretty young and I had a phone. Well, that would make sense because I feel like the more ubiquitous they became, the earlier people would get them. I was not allowed to get a cell phone until I had my driver's license, so that was when I was seventeen. So I was a junior, I believe, in high school before I got a cell phone. That was the big allowance that my parents decided to make, and then. By the time my sister came around, who's 12 years younger, she she had a cell phone, I feel like, almost in the womb. I'm exaggerating, but it, it happened a lot earlier because it was a lot more widespread and common at that point. So if you were born in 2000, you probably had a cell phone at least by 2011 or 2012 in middle school. And by that point, you wouldn't really have any reason to ever use a pay phone. Wow. Have you ever used a rotary phone? Do you know what that is? That's where you, you hit the... You have to dial the number by pushing your finger into a little hole on the phone and then spinning it. Have you used that before? I've not used that, but I actually have one. So I do... <laughs> this is what, a, a collector's item? Well, from my grandparents' house, when we're cleaning out their house, they, they have a real, like the real deal. Like this is made out of like cast iron like the the metal and this wood box and it's like a real deal rotary phone and yeah so i've I've seen it doesn't work but maybe it'll work one day my grandparents on my dad's side i remember distinctly having a rotary phone and they would use the eraser of a pencil to hit the number and then spin the little dial thing and they had a little tiny room off the front door almost like a closet. It probably actually was designed as a closet, but that was a telephone room where there was a rotary phone and you could sit down in a little chair, take a pencil, use the eraser, and it it was very inconvenient to dial because you had to do each one and wait for the dial to come back into place and then do the next number. So these are things that, again, as technology moves on, they just go away. And I think you could now have someone who is currently in high school or college and present them with a rotary phone and say, your life depends on successfully placing a call with this device, a phone call. And I wonder if they could intuitively even figure it out. I don't know. Payphones also, just to be clear, were pretty gross, right? Those metallic square numbers, the receivers that everyone's been touching – Often they're outside and exposed to the elements. 
it was not a very sanitary experience using one of those. Although I'm sure our cell phones are gross if you think about it. In fact, let's not think about it. Let's all just not think too hard about that. But, Christine, I feel like you might have one or two additional thoughts here before we run out of time. I'm trying to think of reasons why Wyatt would have to call his mom, you know, from school. Like, Mom, they're spreading lies about Reagan in history. Get me out of here. (laughs) Or like, Mom, I forgot my hard copy of the Wall Street Journal at home today, and I plan to read it alone at lunchtime. Can you swing by and drop it off for me? Mom, please bring the pipe so I can use it for chess club later. (laughs) (laughs) Strictly not permitted in high school, certainly. Or, Mom, please come pick me up. I need to come home and have breakfast because I've just finished my walk, my morning constitutional, and I don't want to stay three more hours for when classes start. (laughs) That's, That's probably how Wyatt would have taken advantage of the payphone back in the day. Why would you keep trying to call collect if you knew that your mom would just say no? Just to be Christine. I figured I'd crack her, break her sometime, but no. No, my dad was nicer about it. He would show up if I forgot my lunch. Oh, so that's why, that's why you, would, you were hoping it would be him. Yes. Now, he was the one who got the collect call. You were just fingers crossed that dad would pick up the phone, not mom. Yes. And then, you know, if Joyce answered, I knew I had no shot. Yeah, you're Unless cut. it was like a pickup for like cheerleading. I don't know if you know this guy, but I was a varsity cheerleader in high school. That's a new piece of information, I think. Really? I think so. Yes, I was. Does not surprise me at all. <laughs> Top of the pyramid. That's where you're encouraged. That's where you're encouraged to be very, very loud. They want you, you know, cheering and everything. Were you were you a good cheerleader? I feel like you would be rogue. You'd be off, distracted, doing your own thing. All I remember is I always um, got in trouble. Like the head cheerleader, always, Christine, turn around, stop talking to the football players. Christine, pay attention. Christine, I mean, it's, it was constant. Uh, another layer comes off the cookie onion. Producer Christine was a cheerleader. Pom-poms, everything. Do you remember any of the oh. dance moves? Oh, yeah, of course. I remember my tryout dance. Well, I would be curious to see it, and maybe next time I'm, I'm up in New York I might ask, but I also, you know, I don't want you to hurt yourself. You know, it's a you know, hip dislocation or something situation. We, we don't need that. We need you active and, and working. So, uh, wow. That actually, it all, that checks out. That is very much on brand. At Cookies Jar 1988. Maybe you could tweet some photos oh, of yourself yep. back, like the vintage. Are they black and white photos? Oh, my God. But let me just tell you, they days? were not the skimpy outfits that the cheerleaders wear now. We had, like, the big varsity sweater. Oh, we were... and then, like, like knee-length skirt? No. Like, no. like pleated? <laughs> they were pleated. They were not knee-length. Photos or it didn't happen. Meanwhile, Wyatt has really learned some things today, and maybe Christine can continue this educational process for him by explaining how telegrams work next. That's how she often communicated earlier in her childhood, but that has to be another day. Please join us for a special report. I'm on the panel, 6 p.m. hour Eastern Time, Fox News Channel with Brett Baer and everyone there. Hope to see you there. In the meantime, back here on the radio tomorrow, same time, same place, for The Guy Benson Show. Have a great night. Homestretch on this Tuesday on The Guy Benson Show. Please tune in for Kennedy tonight. I'll be joining the panel with the grand lady herself and company around 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Fox Business Network, and then reappearing later in the program as well. So that's Kennedy, FBN, tonight in the 7 Eastern Hour. GuyBensonShow.com is our website here at the radio show. GuyBensonShow.com, where the podcast is free, on demand, every day, plus all sorts of other goodies there. Follow us on social media, at Guy Benson Show, on Twitter and on Instagram. I saw this story last evening. Ironically, I think I saw it very late at night. <laughs> and I retweeted it, because I was still up. I'm more of a night owl. I was watching one of the shows. The way that I unwind at night is to binge-watch Certain TV shows, typically crime, spy-type stuff, those are the genres that I'm most into, particularly in that day part, if you will. 
but I'm also kind of half distracted sometimes on my phone, and I saw this Axios story come across. The headline is, America Needs Sleep. Here's what the story says. Three factors determine 80% plus of our longevity. Diet, exercise, and sleep. Of those, sleep is by far the easiest to get right. We aren't, the story says about U.S. society. One in three American adults do not get enough sleep, defined as seven or more hours a night per the CDC. Although I'm sure some people are wondering, are they right about that? Or is that made up? Maybe Randy Weingarten can change the science on that. I'd love her to change the science to like nine hours. I'm a big sleep guy if I can get it. And it comes in waves for me, and I can explain that a little bit later here. But the average American, based on this Axios story, slept for almost eight hours a night, 7.9 hours a night in the 1940s. That number has dropped to 6.8 hours per night, which would be below the seven hours recommendation. Over time, operating without enough sleep can dramatically increase your risk of heart disease, stroke, cancer. This according to a heart health and sleep expert at the University of Warwick. Medical research has also linked insufficient sleep to obesity, depression, anxiety, and even heart failure and dementia. Lack of sleep also drives up individuals' costs of health care and companies' loss of productivity, according to studies. Employees who are not getting enough rest are far likelier to be unfocused, miss days of work, or get injured on the job. So this is the story. They always say, oh, you know, get, get a good night's sleep. It's good advice. I think that that's fair. For a lot of people, it's easier said than done. They've got jobs. They've got kids. They've got obligations. Sometimes it takes a while for me to power down my brain and fall asleep. I'm not a morning person at all, but there are times when I'm burning the candle at both ends, where I'm up late, then I have to get up early for TV or for travel or what have you. And the way that I typically end up doing it is if I'm having a bad sleep week in terms of the weeknights, let's say I'm having not enough sleep for a number of nights in a row, my body tends to require catching up on sleep. I don't know how the science behind that actually works. Whether the sleep deficit can be made up on the weekend, for example, just sleep in on on a Saturday. Sometimes I will sleep for 10, 11, even 12 hours, Friday into Saturday, if I feel like that deficit of slumber needs to be compensated for, and I'll do it there, and my body can sleep soundly for a long period of time under those circumstances. But overall, I would say I sleep about seven or eight hours a night. But sometimes it's down in the five or six hour range. And as I said, I try to make up for it if possible. And at some point, I have to make up for it. My body does not do well over a sustained period of time if I'm not getting enough sleep. I just know that about myself. Producer Christine, Are you a sound sleeper? I kind of struggle to believe that you are. Although whenever I do try to contact you about something important off hours, you are just knocked out. But apparently most other nights you struggle to sleep. Why is that? Just the nights that you call. No, I actually go to bed early. So the the amount of hours that I'm in bed would probably be maybe even eight to nine. But the problem is I can fall asleep completely fine but then one two in the morning I'm wide awake and there goes you know up and down up and down for the rest of the night and then I start to get anxiety that I'm not going to be able to go back to sleep and how much sleep am I going to get and that keeps you up and that keeps me not sleeping huh and why do you wake up at one o'clock in the morning I have no clue it just do or two three four it doesn't matter like I you should do one of those sleep studies where they monitor you and they figure out, in some cases, what the problem is, because that would drive me crazy. Last night, I did not sleep well because I was up, I was watching TV, I was really tired, so I actually fell asleep and then sort of woke up, jolted awake on the couch. My dog, Roy, was still right there with me, but I was kind of like, okay, I got to turn off the TV, 
let's you know, lock up the house, turn off the lights, and go to sleep. I let him out, or at least I thought he had gone out to go to the bathroom. Then I bring him upstairs. It is middle of the night, 3 in the morning or something like that. And he was whining, which he never does, which means he either needs water or needs to go out. I realized maybe he had poked his head out the door when I opened it. He had not gone out and gone to the bathroom. So I had to bring him back downstairs, and I was hoping to just be quasi-comatose, head upstairs, go to sleep, and fall right back asleep. But because of this whole back and forth, it took me a while. So I'm not working on the best night of sleep right now, but that's an anomaly for me. As opposed to, for you, it sounds like it's a regular occurrence. You might want to do one of those sleep studies. Oh, you should have them record you. Are you a sleep talker? I can imagine you say some hilarious stuff. Yes, my husband... um a long time ago, had started a Twitter account called Chrissy Sleeps. Oh, right. And right, because you're a sleepwalker, too. Uh, yep, I walk, I talk. And I, the walking kind of has stopped, but that was ever since I was a kid. My, I mean, my family gets together and talks about all the times, you know, I would be standing. It was scary, my mom and dad said. I would just be staring at them in the middle of the night, standing there. Mm-hmm. If I slept over a friend's yeah, house, I would walk into her parents' room <laughs> no, that is and just stare at creepy. them. That is like, you know, something out of a horror movie. Then you have an outburst where you're sweating and whispering loudly in a tortured manner about something or someone. I can't quite make out what she's saying. Is it something about carousel? What is carousel? I can imagine this would be the case. You should go in for one of these studies. I think you might benefit. You need yet another person monitoring your overall well-being in addition to the whole retinue of, of people that you already pay, I think this one would probably be worth the investment because of the stats in this story. Diet, exercise, sleep. We got to run. I will not be asleep for hours because, A, it's 6 p.m. Eastern. B, I got to get ready for TV. On with Kennedy, coming up in the next hour, Fox Business Network. We will see you there just after 7 Eastern. Back here on the radio, same time, same place, for The Guy Benson Show. Thank you for listening. Homestretch on this Wednesday here on The Guy Benson Show. GuyBensonShow.com, our online home. All of our big interviews are there. Other elements are there. Also, the podcast available there, in addition to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It is on demand every single day for free. No charge to you. At Guy Benson Show, our Twitter and Instagram handle. You can follow us on either or both of those platforms. As a reminder, I'll be on special report tonight in the 6 p.m. hour Eastern time with Brett Baer, who was our guest earlier today. Part of that panel, I would imagine it will be a pretty somber one. So you can set your DVR. You can tune in live. Fox News Channel around 645 Eastern Time. Well, yesterday it was in the 4 p.m. hour that we first started really getting wind of what was happening in Uvalde, Texas. And we had a very incomplete picture of the scope of the atrocity. So we brought an update to you in the 4 o'clock hour Then we got more information, and we brought you a lot more of it in the 5 o'clock hour. And then after we went off the air, we learned even more information. The death toll rose again, and it was just a brutal evening. It has been a brutal morning and afternoon as the dust settles on one of the darkest days in the history of Texas. And a very dark day in the country as well. This has affected a lot of people. It has been very emotional. I think some of that emotion has manifested itself in very unhelpful and counterproductive and ugly ways. But I also understand why it's there. On all sides of the political issue, when a bunch of innocent kids had their lives ripped away in an instant for absolutely no reason— People are right to be upset and angry. I'm not a parent. Maybe one day, but I'm not a parent. But I'm an empathetic person. And hearing the stories about parents desperate to find their kids who are unaccounted for. The stories of 
reporters hearing the wailing and the screaming of anguish coming from families when they were finally informed that their child was killed, it makes your hair stand on end. It makes your stomach hurt. You feel physically ill. And that's just at least me speaking for myself, without kids. It has to be different when you have kids. The only thing I can really think of is 9-11 when I was in high school, and we lost a lot of people in my hometown, and my dad worked in lower Manhattan, and we were out of touch with him for several hours in the chaos and just not being sure where he was and if he'd be okay. I remember that feeling of absolute helplessness. That's the one thing that I can draw on, and it's not really quite the same. It's not perfectly analogous, but maybe some of those similar emotions were at play there. Producer Christine talks about her daughter often on this segment, the home stretch, on a regular basis, Megan. Megan is an elementary school student, right smack in the middle of the age range of these kids who were murdered. And I can only imagine how it must be in terms of the difficulty for a parent not just to think about this and sympathize and to, I think, automatically drift your thoughts over to what if it were us and have those thoughts, but then also the difficulty of talking to your child who will inevitably hear about it, see it. It's on mainstream media. It's on social media. It's inescapable. Trying to keep your own emotions in check and grapple with those, which is healthy and necessary, while also having an honest conversation with your own kid, not trying to stoke the fears, understanding that even as horrible as they are, these types of incidents remain extremely rare. Not rare enough, obviously, but extremely rare. But sometimes it's hard to feel that and be rational about that, given the extent of the horror. And that's hard enough to calibrate for adults. It has to be extra difficult and unnerving for kids who are scared. Hearing this, seeing this. Christine, how are you guys dealing with this how quickly did Megan learn about what happened is she asking you questions about it did she hear about it in school is she consuming media about this are you letting her watch the news on this how are you dealing with this situation as a parent of a child that age it's a good question because I wasn't sure she is nine so it's not like you can completely shield her from this when I got home last night, and I think you could hear it in my voice when we ended the show, because we were you and I were talking, and I just said, I got to get home. I just want to hug Megan. And when I walked in, she's like, Mommy, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. She goes, did kids my age get shot today at school? And, you know, we had a light conversation about that, because you don't want to get too heavy into it. And she had... Thoughtful questions, you know, um, and she was telling me about the, um, they have like a shooter, what's it called? A drill. Drill. And she said, oh, yeah. She's like, I remember um, just a few months ago, we were in the auditorium when it happens and the teacher said, get behind the curtains or, you know, get under your desk. And I said, yeah, you got to listen to your teacher. But I think the real heartbreak and. It was just me and her last night. My husband's on a work trip. And the real heartbreak is we were laying next to each other before bed, and she looked at me and she said, Mommy, if someone comes into my school and starts shooting people, does that mean I never get to see you and Daddy again? And, I mean, what do you say? What do you just say? Your school is going to take every precaution they can. You know, don't worry. Like, the doors are locked. But... As much as you don't try to make it personal, it is personal. And as much as people say, you know, stay in your lane about guns or this or that, this is our lane. And it is something that I 
I remember being pregnant with Megan. I was five months pregnant when Sandy Hook happened. And I remember watching the coverage going, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine how parents must feel. You know, I don't have a child yet, but I'm about to bring a child into this world. And God, I can't believe we're 10 years later and I'm, we're watching this again. Yeah. And it's so I mean, scary and you don't know what to do. Like, I seriously wanted to just keep her home today and stay home and work from home, but you have to live your life. She's student of the week. She's star of the week. She was so excited about that. And so we were driving to school, and she's telling me about being star of the week and what that entails. And then we drove up this morning to school, and there were three police cars, and there were policemen outside, bringing, you know, watching the kids all go in. And Megan, matter of factly, too, not sad about it. She goes, Oh my gosh, I wonder if they're here just in case someone tries to shoot us kids. And I said, Yeah, they're just making it's sure. Just, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's sick that kids have to think that way i mean the answer the truthful answer is there is almost no chance almost zero that this will happen at her school or that she'll be affected by it but when these jarring occurrences play out you're right this human nature it is impossible to not wonder if you might be next or could there be some copycat out there thinking about it, and you never know. And sometimes there's little to no warning. There are red flags, perhaps, but not explicit warnings. Or if there are, they come very late. And I think a lot of life is recognizing that evil exists, that bad things happen, even to good people. To not have it paralyze your life and your thinking and the way you go about your life, because it's not only irrational, it's unhealthy. And it just breaks my heart that there are kids and parents all across the country who have this fear now in their hearts that they might have to deal with something like this in their own school. We had intruder alerts all the way back to when I was in middle school. This phenomenon has been with us for a long time. Back to Columbine, really. And as we've talked about throughout the show... We do have a unique problem in this country when you look at mass shootings or school shootings. These types of things do not happen other places with this frequency. And it's unacceptable, and it's disgusting, and it's sickening. Then, of course, the tricky pivot becomes, then what? And I know that there are strident voices who feel like they have the answers and they're very self-righteous, and the people who don't agree are the problem and have blood on their hands in either direction. And I just think that accomplishes not only nothing, I think it goes in the opposite direction. It actually harms any chance of a real conversation or anything productive happening. But that's an ongoing discussion in the days ahead, I believe. And I know you probably went home and gave Megan a big hug and Hopefully she will be able to shake this off and go keep up her good work in school and appreciate every day. And, you know, I'm not in any position to give you advice on parenting here. I don't think that there's a great way to handle any of this. You just have to know yourself, know your child, know your family. But I think appreciation for life and family and children can really be thrown into sharp relief awfully quickly when something like this happens. Absolute nightmare. That's all the time we have for today. Here on The Guy Benson Show, I'll be on, as I mentioned, special report on the panel coming up in the next hour. Perhaps we'll see you over there on Fox News Channel. Love your families. Love your neighbors. Love your fellow Americans, your fellow humans. Ultimately, it comes down to us. It's the Guy Benson Show. Thank you for listening. Home stretch here on the Guy Benson Show, Thursday edition. Appreciate you listening. GuyBensonShow.com, podcast free every day. So last night, 
Adam and I went to dinner with some very close friends, Mary Catherine Ham, Katie Pavlich, and a friend of ours named Zhang, Zhang Toy, who's a fashion designer, who's a fascinating character. I've mentioned him on the air before. Malaysian immigrant, first generation, came from a very working poor family in far-flung Malaysia. Came to America as a very young man with nothing but an immense amount of talent when it comes to designing high-end clothes. And he went to school for that, and his first little collection that he designed got the attention of Anna Wintour. She put him on the cover, and the rest has been history. He's had a very successful career. He is maybe a hair over five feet tall. He's very flamboyant. He wears what he calls a mini kilt, which is just basically a skirt that he designs. And he always has a smile on his face. He always has fun stories to tell. Oh, and by the way, he's a right winger. Huge Fox viewer. And he's surrounded by people in his world and his industry who don't really get that. But he is so infectiously nice and upbeat and very talented that he's sort of straddling these worlds. And I've had the privilege of going to some of his fashion shows through the years. And it's quite a scene. Like, I remember one of them, probably the first one I went to, I was very nervous. I didn't know what to wear. What do you wear to a fashion show? And all these New York Fashion Week snobby people. So I emailed his assistant saying, what should I wear? I don't really know. I was thinking about maybe getting some new shoes, and I was just sort of stressing a little bit about it. Inconsequential, but you know, the mentality. And Zhang left me a voicemail in response to the inquiry, and he said simply, you come, you be yourself, you're fabulous, and he hung up. <laughs> that was it. So Zhang's amazing. And, and at that fashion show, that first one, Several cast members from Orange is the New Black were there when that show was red hot. So there was a celebrity set, the high fashion set, and then there was like Bill Hemmer and Kimberly Guilfoyle <laughs> and yours truly. Quite an array. So we had dinner with Zhang. He's in D.C. for just a few days selling some of his garments and doing fittings and whatever exactly it is that he does. It's just like such a foreign world to me. But we had a lovely dinner, and we talked about a lot of things. We caught up on a few things. For example, he's gotten some attention recently because it looks kind of like Ralph Lauren stole one of his famous designs and dressed Alicia Keys in a very similar dress for the Met Gala, and it sort of became a thing with the side-by-side -side images of a dress that Zhang had designed years ago. So we asked him for some of the tea on that, and he told us. He was somewhat gracious about it, uh, but he was, you know, clearly enjoying the fact that the imitation got called out. In any case, under normal circumstances, this would have been nothing but a joyful dinner. But it had an air of sadness about it, because how can you live in America and not feel something about what's happened this week in Texas. And we talked about it, and yes, it's a downer, but, you know, you're not necessarily entitled to happy-go-lucky dinners with friends where you can just erase things from your memory and your thoughts. I think we should think about these things. I think we should talk about these things. Now, I'm not saying that we need to live our lives in solemn grief forever. I think people affected directly by this will have a lot more of a lasting pain here, unsurprisingly. I think it's okay to think about other things and do other things and live your life. But I think many of us aren't really fully ready to be there yet. One thing I was thinking about was generally I'm a pretty good-humored person. I like to laugh. Haven't been doing a lot of laughing this week. And I did see, and we were talking about this actually at dinner a little bit, none of us have caught it yet, but there's that new Netflix 
special, Ricky Gervais, doing stand-up. And boy, he is very irreverent, nothing sacred, that kind of comic. His performance as MC of, what was it, the Emmys? I don't know, the Golden Globes, maybe? Whatever that was a few years ago was still legendary. And I've seen some clips of the new stand-up routine, and already it's got people all angry because he's making trans jokes. From what I understand is he makes a lot of jokes about a lot of different types of people, and there's a lot of people who might be offended. That's how his comedy works. But I guess only the trans stuff is getting the headlines because I guess that's the verboten thing. You're not supposed to joke about that. Hence the backlash against Dave Chappelle. Because someone felt justified in physically assaulting him for his jokes. I saw actually John Mulaney had a surprise appearance on stage from Chappelle at a recent show. And 99% of people were thrilled and delighted and excited to hear from Chappelle, arguably the most famous comedian in the world right now. But the very loud shouters, the loud people on social media, now going after John Mulaney. How can you hug this man? How can you be friends with this transphobe? Why would you force your fans to pay money to be sort of sandbagged by this bigot at your show unannounced? Look, no one was super glued to their seat. If the appearance of Dave Chappelle is so deeply alarming to you that you can't handle it, you are welcome to walk out. I'm not sure if a single person did because most of us can take a joke. So whether it's tonight or later this weekend, I think we're going to watch the Gervais special. And I'm going to brace for impact because I know some of it will probably make me cringe. Some of it will make me laugh. Some of it might hit close to home. That's sort of how comedy works. And I'm still on pins and needles for that final Norm MacDonald special that he filmed for Netflix before he died. So I'm going to allow myself, hopefully, to laugh here sometime soon. And once I've seen the special, I will let you know what I think about it. How about that? Back here tomorrow for the Friday edition of The Guy Benson Show, we are going to try to have a slightly lighter show tomorrow while still, of course, covering the news. Same time, same place right here. Thank you for listening, and have a great night. Home stretch as we approach the weekend together here on The Guy Benson Show. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. The podcast is free of charge on demand seven days a week. Programming note, I'll be on Media Buzz with Howie Kurtz this long weekend, Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern time. And I saw Howie in the green room earlier this week. We were on special report together. And he said, oh, are you traveling for the long weekend? Are you going to be joining the show remotely? And I said, no, I'm going to be in D.C. I'll be in person. He said, oh, great. He said, my one concern, Howie, is I'm hosting a gigantic party the day before your show. I know 11 a.m. is late morning, but still, if you've had people at your house the previous day for probably, my guess is it'll go 10 to 12 hours because it's one of these start in the early afternoon, go till whenever things. I'm going to have to probably at least keep an eye on my intake over the course of that time period because then I have to get up not only go on television, but also go on television to talk about media coverage of one of the worst weeks of news in recent memory. So he said, oh, I'm sure you'll get it all done and have a good time, but not too good. I said, all right, thanks, Howie. So we are having this weekend barbecue that we've been talking about on and off here on the show now for, I think, over a month. The reason that I mentioned it as early as I did, first of all, the long drink which sponsors the happy hour, is also sponsoring the party. They've sent a lot of provisions to the house while supplies last for everyone who's showing up. And so we mentioned that, I think, in one context, and we're grateful for that. It is delicious. And then also I was trying to see if producer Christine would actually get herself to one of these summer barbecues because we host them uh, every year for the last couple of years, and she always makes a big show out of being offended if she's not going to be invited and talking all about best friends and the whole song and dance. And then when she actually gets invited, weirdly, 
we get a snub. We get a decline. I think in this case, we didn't even get a physical RSVP on the website, unlike most people who at least had the decency to send us something online. Producer Christine was just sort of like, it was a roller coaster of emotions because at first she was unavailable and then actually maybe she could come after all that. No, no, the plans are in place. They're going somewhere else. Then, oh, wait, big upset. We're changing. We're coming. We're coming. And then, oh, just kidding. We're not coming. Christine, have you reached a final answer about tomorrow? Yes, I have. And unfortunately, I will not be able to make it. But well, I... you say unfortunately. What? But, you know, that's that's an editorial statement on your part, unfortunately. But the, the takeaway is you're not going to be able to make it. No, but I've tried two times now. I have the Evite open. I don't I don't see anywhere it says to decline. Uh, so there's a yes and a maybe and a no button. There, I don't see it. I really don't. I, I think it's green, yellow, and red, just like your traffic light as the chief happiness officer, Christine. You should be familiar <laughs> with how these colors work. Well, that's why I had to tell you, because I couldn't figure out how to RSVP. So, no, sadly, we will, me and my family will not be able to make it. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. I just always want the invite. Doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to go, but I want to be invited always. Yeah, but I don't really think that that's fair. Why not? Right? You, you just like the idea of being included with no intention of actually coming. Although you claim that, am I hearing this correctly, that you did your best to make it, you just couldn't follow through? We were very, very close. And unfortunately, my husband had a work trip this week, and it was just going to be way too much for him. He was going to mm. be out in Vegas and then coming back, and it just it wasn't. But you're but you are traveling, aren't you? No. Oh, so the whole all of your trips are canceled. Yeah, no, no, no. We're not going anywhere. We are. He wanted to stay put, like he was traveling. He wants to stay put and just. Oh, so you would. So what you're telling me is you would have childcare if you were going to come down for the day. Hmm. Because you had said you didn't want to give Megan to Judgy Joyce for no, you to come down to the party. No, she was coming with us. What I'm saying, you could come. Just oh. Cookie. <laughs> no. Cookie. We only have one car. I can't leave them stranded for a long weekend. I don't know. I mean, you said that you did your best, but I, I'm not hearing your best here, I honestly. I feel like I, I definitely did my best. And listen. Well, and by the way, it reminds me of a line from The Rock. Remember that movie, Nicolas Cage? In the 90s, it's like that classic action flick where Sean Connery says, losers always whine about their best. That was a terrible impression. Losers always whine about their best. And then there's a follow-up line that I can't say on the radio. But I feel like this was maybe not your best, Christine. And we are going to be once again bereft of jello shots, which is what you promised to bring last time before not coming. Ooh, jello shots. Maybe I'll make them for me and Bobby. Well, that's weird, isn't it? Just to make what, it for to, the house. <laughs> just like a little, uh, well, maybe depends on how big the batch is. <laughs> That's true. But listen, honestly, you have your favorite coming anyway. I'm not the favorite of the show. We all know who your favorite is. And YY is going to be there making little animal balloons and probably singing well, every American song he can think of. Well, here's the thing, and, and we do love Wyatt here at the show, but it doesn't really count because... He is being paid to come as YY the Clown to entertain the guests and to make the balloon things, right? That's that. So he's required to be here. He's under contract. You were just invited to come as a quote-unquote best friend. And now I know you're not even doing anything else. You're like, oh, sorry, I'm busy. And you've now just admitted you're not busy. No, I— You're I, just I, chilling at your house. No, look at your text message for when I declined. That's what I wrote. I would have to go back. The thing is, it's been a seesaw. Sometimes you're <laughs> declining, then you're coming, then you're not anymore. So I, we can always just hold out hope that maybe Christine will show up at the very last minute. I will say this. We were thinking about, because the weather forecast was looking really rough for tomorrow, and because of that, we were saying maybe we should punt this thing into Sunday because the Sunday forecast was looking better. I was worried because we've got a few dozen people I think more than that, who are coming and just trying to spread the word to every single person at the last minute. Actually, just kidding. 
we're moving it an entire day when people have RSVP'd and they've planned their weekends. We just decided, you know what, rain or shine, we're going to stick with the date. And thankfully, in the last day or so, the weather forecast has improved dramatically. It was supposed to be like a rainy, potentially thunderstormy day tomorrow. And now I'm looking at the forecast and it's mostly sunny, high of 80, which sounds almost perfect for something like this. Also very clear for like, I don't know, three and a half, four hour drive from New Jersey down to D.C., Christine. Well, I do have some news for you. I just want you to know, I actually, the reason I can't find the reply button is because I did reply already. I thought you had coerced Dan into playing the Fox News alert because you were going to reveal that you are coming to the party. And your alert is that you RSVP'd? (laughs) Wrong usage. What a letdown. Wrong usage. That is an abuse. That is an abuse of our Fox News alert sounder. That sounder is sacred, and it means something. And if you had Fox News alerted into the fact that, surprise, you were coming to the party, literally that's what I thought you were doing there. I would have allowed it. (laughs) But you have abused it. So now— And I don't know— you should see War Wyatt's face right now. He looks like he is on the war path. He's going to come like a drill sergeant. Drop and give me 50 for what you just did to the Fox News alert sound effect. I was That's giving terrible. you news. I thought I could use it. I, mm, have I mm, my mm, privileges mm. revoked now? Uh, privileges, Dan, just you are now ordered, not just by me, but by order of the czar of standards at the Guy Benson show, which is one of the many hats that Wyatt wears. Uh, Christine is not to have privileges on editorial decisions when it comes to the Fox News alert stinger. It just... She blew it. Okay. All right. We got it. Sorry, Christine. Well, I hope that you have a very exciting weekend at home doing your jello shots by yourself. And that you're not going to have fun. You couldn't come in and, I mean, you could have accompanied me maybe to Media Buzz. You could have hung out with Howie Kurtz. I mean, hey, the possibilities, endless. But I I see what's happening. You're making a choice. Everyone makes their choices. Do you think Howie would have done a jello shot with me? You know, I am going to guess not. However, if he did do a jello shot with you, I guarantee you it would be, Dan, a Fox News alert. And that's how you use the stinger. Well, we had to have a little bit of fun at the tail end of what has been, needless to say, a brutal week for the country. We tried to cover everything respectfully and accurately, understanding there's a lot of passion and differences of opinion out there. And we really appreciate all of you listening, even when the topics are tough. Long weekend upcoming. Please enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Please remember why Monday is Memorial Day. And then we'll be back here after a best of on that day with a brand new Guy Benson show on Tuesday. Have a great night. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.